Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast, and thanks for joining us. We hope this encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on how God is actively moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Drugs, drunkenness, abortions, rage, absent parent, theft, pride, Destroying self-esteem, lies, pornography, sexual sin, and cursing God. I'm a grateful believer who's been delivered from these things, but still struggle with shame. My name is Rich. Good morning, Good morning, guys. Born in the South, as you can tell by my accent, South Boston. To a non-functioning alcoholic father and a mother who was lost and angry, we went to church some Sundays, took our beatings Monday through Saturday, and I grew up defiant and resilient. My parents divorced when I was four due to my father's drinking and adultery, and I have no memory of him being at home. While I grew up without a dad, I never let that bother me because I didn't need anyone else. After all, I had me. We were poor. There was little love in my house. Mom did the best she knew how, didn't drink or smoke, but seemed angry at life. Whoopings were pretty regular, and when a belt wasn't available, whatever was within arm's reach was the object of my discipline. High heel shoes, TV antennas, blood was drawn. Through it all, I never let it affect me, never wallowed in it. To this point in life, I thought I lived a very normal existence. <clears throat> I had no regrets, no depression, anxiety, a longing for something better. I'm sure it happened, but I don't really recall ever hearing the words, I loved you while growing up. But praise God, mom is now a prayer warrior. Child of God has made her amends with me and is one of my spiritual mentors. Praise God. We shifted from a Catholic church to a Pentecostal one, and at one point, I think I said yes to Jesus. That lasted about 10 minutes as the world got a hold of me with the remainder of my upbringing filled with neglect, alcohol abuse, and consuming almost any drug I could get my hands on, including marijuana, cocaine, LSD, crystal meth, while dealing some of the same to pay for those habits. I dropped out of high school after the 10th grade, going from a four-sport athlete to a stoner over the course of a summer. At the age of 16, while getting high with a friend and discussing the pending winter cold, we made the brilliant decision to head for San Diego. My pockets full of drugs and his packed with cash from a recent robbery. We never told anyone we were leaving. The money and drugs ran out eventually, so I walked to the interstate and stuck out my thumb at the age of 16, hitchhiking cross-country back towards Boston. That adventure had me sleeping in the desert on the side of the road, a trip into Mexico, and sleeping in the back of strangers' vans. The next few years were a roller coaster, staying mostly high and drunk until one day, getting high by the dumpster at work, a friend and I decided to join the Navy. On to my next adventure. <laughs> but first, I had to go to court and have a judge release me from probation. 
I planned to quit drugs entering the military, but found myself at the end of a Coke or crystal meth straw <clears throat> on more than one occasion, smoked some weed, and even popped some LSD from time to time. The wake-up call came five years into my service when I was given a drug test two days after consuming a pile of cocaine during a New Year's Eve celebration on Times Square. Somehow, the test came back negative. And looking at the potential of falling back into my old life, I was scared straight and rarely touched drugs again. Even though I wasn't following Jesus at the time, he seemed to have my back through those crazy years, even through my sin. The military was good to me, and my tough alpha personality fared well as I rose through the ranks quickly, achieving the highest rank in fairly short order. As I earned my GED, bachelor and master's degrees, I continued to party my way through life. Rising through the ranks, I had little concern on how my actions affected others. I was selfish, I led by fear and intimidation, and I womanized a lot. I fathered six children, four out of wedlock, one was adopted at birth, another from an adulterous encounter with a married woman while deployed overseas. There were also abortions in that mix, a focal point of some of my shame today. But I was still hardened. I didn't care about anybody else's feelings. My thought process was, I didn't have a dad or any love in my life growing up. It's normal. Deal with it. I married at the age of 25, had my two youngest daughters, and was leading a somewhat normal life. I deployed frequently doing the nation's bidding, and my wife was the model military spouse, until she wasn't. During my 2003 deployment to Iraq, she developed a taste for cocaine, and subsequently, other men. This spiraled quickly and resulted in a divorce as I gained custody of my two youngest daughters, then ages 12 and 10. Though I was always there for them, <clears throat> I failed to give them an outwardly loving dad or raise them in a Christian household. After all, I was raised in a Christian home. What did it do me? I recalled my youngest asking me on numerous occasions if we could go to church. I always told her, someday, but we never went. Another major failure. When I've spoken to her about Jesus since, she's replied, you had your chance. I cruised through the next 10 years, started a homeless nonprofit, finished my master's degree and performed exceptionally as a senior military leader, but continued womanizing and drinking daily. While raising two young daughters as a single dad, yet I still had no joy or sense of real accomplishment. As I retired from 30 years of active duty, and my daughters living their adult lives now, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee for a new career, bringing with me a woman and her two young daughters. We found an amazing church, but within six months, our relationship failed, no doubt because of my drinking, anger issues, and our living in sin, not building that relationship on the Lord's terms. I continued on my path of destruction until I was baptized six months later, and that's when things got real. I found myself living alone in a 4,600-square-foot mini-mansion, had a great job making more money than I knew what to do with, 
but I still had no joy in my life, even though I was kind of serving God. As Solomon opined in Ecclesiastes 2.1, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. After decades of operating on a scorched earth policy, destroying self-esteem, using and emotionally abusing women, and daily drinking, the Holy Spirit finally smacked me and said, stop serving yourself, start serving others. So as a first time act of faith and obedience, I quit my job, sold my house, and left for the world-renowned tropical destination known as Four Oaks, North Carolina. <laughs> I don't know why I landed here. It had to be Holy Spirit-led. I arrived pulling my RV, which I would live in for the next three years, just me and my dog, not knowing a single person. I found a great church and quickly got a tap on the shoulder by a brother who said the Holy Spirit told them during worship that they needed to reach out to me. Thank you, Steve and Beverly, for being obedient. Because of that obedience, that obedience saved my life. And that obedience is why Recovery Alive is coming to Bethel. So thank you. He invited me to a recovery program at another church. And not having anything to do or knowing anyone, I accepted. I met him in the parking lot five days later. And the first person I met walking in was my now beautiful wife. It was her first visit as well. She was there to see her brother give his testimony. Neither of us thought much about that brief encounter. Names weren't exchanged, and she doesn't even remember it. <clears throat> yeah. My friend Steve had thought it was her twin sister who came to see the, who actually attended Recovery Live. <clears throat> it would be a few years before I would see her again. I became a re regular at Recovery Live, but continued acting in my worldly ways. I wanted to serve, but would, was advised that I needed to go through a process group first. And I remember my first meeting, I was worried about what I was gonna say were my struggles, because after all, I didn't have any. <clears throat> In fact, the group leader told me years later that he thought I was a real jerk when I started. He wasn't wrong. But God started revealing things to me at light speed. Initially, I thought I was okay, and my life was quite manageable. My sexual exploits were victimless, and my daily drinking was under control. My rough math estimates that I've consumed more than 25,000 drinks during the course of my life. It convicted me daily, and I realized what a mess I really was. I was the epitome of angry, and he took that from me instantly. What a miracle to just change a heart on a dime, only God. I was also never wrong. There were two ways of doing things, my way and the wrong way. If I wanted your opinion, I'd give it to you. I had to be right. It encapsulated my entire persona. Pride was the second thing he took from me. And I didn't have to walk in my recovery alone. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. James 5, 16. This is my life verse because I have lived it 
and it has, it has served me so well. God gave me an awesome sponsor that day at Bethel. And going through my inventory, he had asked me about my father. I told him there was no impact, no relationship in my life. He died from his addictions at the age of 52. The last time I spoke with him, he ended the conversation with, okay, Chris, nice talking to you. I didn't correct him, it wasn't important. <clears throat> I never attended his funeral. He suggested that I write him a letter. I looked at him like he had three eyes until a few weeks later, God put it on my heart to write that letter. What an amazing breakthrough in my recovery and what an amazing way for God to reveal to me how broken I really was. I wrote the letter quickly and decisively as if God was guiding my keystrokes. And yeah, I cried the whole time. By the way, once I came out of those baptismal waters, God turned me into a crier. He's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? <clears throat> yeah. I'd like to share that letter with you today, if I may. To my father, who I barely knew, I forgive you. I forgive you for not being there, for saying you would be there to spend time with us and not, for calling me by the wrong name after a 20-minute phone conversation the last time we ever spoke, for leaving us waiting in the car for hours outside a bar, for not showing up to a single event, for not taking me to my first ball game or any ball game, for not teaching me to bait my first hook, for not teaching me how to respect a woman, for, for providing me the memory of abusing my mom, for the advice I never got on my first date, for the hugs I never received, for the sage fatherly advice I never got, for never driving me on my paper route when it was raining, and for not teaching me how to be a responsible man. I forgive you for not remembering my birthday, or Christmas, or anything. For never teaching me the difference between right and wrong, for the words of discouragement when I joined the military telling me I would never succeed for not knowing that I greatly succeeded, for necessitating that I answer the questions about my father with, I don't have one, for never punishing me when I broke the rules, for never being proud of me, for never telling me it's gonna be okay when I wasn't sure if it was, for never making me own up to my responsibilities, and for teaching me that out of sight, out of mind was an acceptable parenting approach for not building me up into the man I am today, for building me up into the man my children experienced, and for enabling my own children to see many of the above-listed traits in their own father. And most importantly, for the ever le only lesson you ever truly taught me, <clears throat> how to be a distant failure of a dad, how to hold back affection for my own children, for enabling me to subconsciously think, I didn't have a dad, they're getting much more than I ever had, and actually believing that was okay. For not being able to have a do-over with my own children and prove to them that I am better than you because I was no better than you, because I didn't teach my children how to be a good parent, didn't teach them this is how a strong man acts, this is how to lead a family. I withheld affection, 
I withheld love even though I loved and pushed away when the hug was long enough. The ripple effect from your lack of parenting is felt across generations and didn't die with you. But I forgive you anyway. I can only hope that my own children forgive me so the ripples may finally cease. Your son, not Chris. I've made amends with my daughters. They've seen the transformation and have referred to me as new dad. A badge of honor that trumps any worldly accomplishment and my chest of military decorations. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. See, we don't share our testimony so you can say, what a great guy, because I'm not. We share so you can see what a great God. Drugs, drunkenness, murder, theft, rage, liar, user and abuser of women, unavailable parent who operated on a scorched earth policy. This was me. And how much does God love me? What baffles me most is that I sinned against myself and I sinned against God. For this, I can almost conceptualize him forgiving me. But for all the damage that I did to his children, I destroyed their self-esteem. I used them for my own gain and pleasure. And I aborted my own babies. And for this, in lieu of condemnation, he showed me grace. So much grace that he chose to use me for his purpose and even bless me along the way. When I question this, I need only reflect on the reality that Jesus turned Saul into Paul. For the newcomer, which is mostly everybody here, recovery alive is a game changer. Jesus will use it to change your life if you let him. Don't be overwhelmed. You'll be guided through the process by those that have gone before you. I'm the perfect example of, hey, I don't need this. I'm good. But whose life was changed exponentially. I'm still perfectly imperfect. In recovery, we strive for progress, not perfection. A great example of that perfection came two years ago when the Holy Spirit, out of nowhere, put on my heart to make amends to my non-functioning alcoholic brother. Gladly accepting that command, I agreed to do it on the very next visit home in two months. Chris died the next day. So instead of making amends, I gave the eulogy. Remember, tomorrow never gets here. I beg you, start your recovery today. I challenge you to confront the cycle of family dysfunction. This is not your lot in life. This is not how you're supposed to live this thing out. And we can't expect anything return in our amends. While three or four daughters have forgiven me, and we all have a much better relationship, the effect I had on all my children is still a center point of the shame in my life. I know he doesn't condemn me, <clears throat> but I condemn myself. There's a sermon in there. I could forgive myself if I was assured of their salvation, but until then, it's a cross I bear. Guys, I was a hypocrite in church, and I was a hypocrite in recovery until I worked my recovery. 
That is where tangible change happens, right there and right here at the altar. He will give us the joy we so desperately seek, even last year, through COVID and through cancer. He sustained me, and I never lost the joy he put in my heart. I used to think that during my 15 years of being single, that God was refining the perfect woman for me. I now know that he was refining me for her. And remember my first group leader, the one I told you about, who thought I was an arrogant jerk before I worked my recovery? Last year, he not only hosted my wedding, but walked his sister down the aisle to meet, to meet me. <laughs> Ain't God cool? Yeah. Thank you for letting me share my journey. <clears throat> Thanks. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Rich's wife, my name is Beth, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with codependency, self-worth, and eating disorders. Amen. Was that not a great testimony? Yes, we love testimonies, and that's part of Recovery Alive, that's part of our DNA, because you see somebody, you see walking through the parking lot, and you're like, oh, there goes Barbie and Ken, no, not a care in the world, what have they got going on? You never know where God has brought somebody from. You never know the turmoil in someone's life that God is working out right now. It doesn't have to be 10 years ago. It could be right now, and that's what recovery does. And when someone gets up and shares a testimony, God's the same. He has no favorites. He can do for you what He's done for me. He can do for you what He did for Julie what he's done for Rich. And to sit and listen, you become inspired and you know there's hope. That's why I love testimonies. They're so powerful. And that's how we share with others. God in his word tells us to share. And you don't think you have anything to say. You do have a testimony. Yes. And he'll bring that testimony right out of you. Testimonies are part of what we do on a Recovery Alive Friday night. But there's other stuff we do as well. Right? There is. So I'm going to give you a, a quick rundown um, of a Friday night, what it'll look like. At six o'clock, we're going to have dinner. We want you to, everybody to come. We fellowship. We break bread together. We get to know one another. At seven o'clock, we do the, the large group. There'll be worship songs. There'll either be a testimony or a lesson. Um, it's a 12-step program, so there'll be a lesson on whichever step we're in. That's from 7 until 8. At 8 o'clock, we break up into what we call um, people groups. They're small groups, and they are gender-specific. Women are with women, men are with men, because your safety and your comfort is a priority. At 8.45, we will um, come out of our small groups and do what is called Crosstalk Cafe. And again, that's where you can mingle, grab some phone numbers, chat with one another, um, just share what's going on in your life. And while you're doing that, this is a family thing. We want everybody to come. If you've got kids, teenagers, this is important for them too. They're in a place in their life. Their, their story looks a little different from ours because we're old. We've got more going on. But they, they have struggles as well. 
Um, if not, just uh, we've all heard the word bully, right? So while we're um, in our groups, Rich is going to tell us what the kids are doing. We want this to be a family affair, first and foremost. Um, and that's the reason we're doing this on Friday night, because nobody wants to deal with Tuesday nights, kids, homework, ball games, practices, recoveries for the whole family. And we have programs, whether your child is six months old or in 12th grade. It starts out with what we call the minis, which is pre-K, and it's like a nursery atmosphere, but there are teachings. It's not a babysitting service, I promise you that. Our K through five program is called Adventures Alive. This is an absolutely amazing program we have, and it's what we call pre-covery. And remember, it's got nothing to do, recovery is not focused on addiction. It's, it's whatever hurts, habits, hangups you have. And just to give you an example in um, Adventures Alive, we have, um, yep, sorry, let me adjust this real quick. I want to kind of give you the, the translation. Like in adult recovery, we have step three, which is I turn my life and will over to the care and control of God. But in Adventures Alive, our second graders are saying, I will trust Jesus because he loves me. So we're not force feeding them adult stuff. Um, they have a really neat program where every month they experience a different country. Last month, and they have celebrations according to that country. Last month, they did a quinceanera. Uh, this month, they're in Israel, and I think this Friday night, they're doing a bar mitzvah, which is really cool, so it's very interactive, and, and it's what we call pre-covery. And I guarantee you, we've got a family here who have kids that go to Adventures Alive, and they're bugging their parents by Tuesday. Are we going? Are we going? I can't wait. I can't wait. So it's a really cool program. We've had so many people say, I'm here because my kids brought me. They've been coming with their teenage friend for months, and they keep bugging me. We got to come. But it's not just K through five. We also have a program called Young and Alive for middle school and high schoolers. It's a safe place of their own. You know, Beth and I have been kind of uh, serving over there on Wednesday nights in the team program. And man, you guys are halfway there. You guys are almost doing it already, what you're doing. It's an amazing program that Pastor Philip has over there. So it's gonna look quite similar to that. Um, to what they're already doing on Wednesday nights, on Friday nights, but there's gonna be an addition of like share groups and things like that, which is really cool. So what we wanna do now is kind of briefly tell you about what RA is and what Recovery Live isn't. There's so much information that we could sit here for an hour and a half and tell you all about the program, but you really gotta come to an informational meeting, which we all have the opportunity to do. But to give you a brief overview on what it is and what it isn't. All right. So what Recovery Alive is, it is a 12-step program, but it is a Christ-centered 12-step program. Um, it is designed to help free you from the bondage of your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And that can be anxiety or depression or an eating disorder. Uh, it does not have to be drugs and alcohol. Um, a third of our folks, only a third of our folks actually struggle with a chemical dependency. It's the everyday mundane things that get you down, that anxiety and depression and codependency. Um, that is a hurt, that is a habit, and that is also considered a hang-up. And that is something that this 12-step program can help you address, identify, get out of your life, get victory over, and get closer to God. What it is not is a place for shaming, 
we're a place for gossip because we're there to heal. And everybody's in the same boat. Whether you think you have a minor struggle, this, well, I just struggle with anxiety and depression. That is not minor to you, and it's not minor to God. You're, we treat everybody the same in Recovery Alive, regardless of your struggles. He gave me this one on purpose because he loves to hear me say this word. It is a safe place. Your anonymity. <laughs> anonymity and confidentiality. <laughs> that is a priority. We won't tell them you're there if you don't tell them you're there. That's it's like right. Vegas. It's a true story. <laughs> Recovery Alive is not a place for believers only. Right. Recovery Alive is first and foremost a discipleship. Because you can be sober, you can be free from your anxiety, you can be free from your anger, pride, and all these shameful things that I've done in my past, I can be free from it. But you know what? There's a bunch of people rejected at the gates of heaven that are sober, clean, and good to go. And what Recovery Alive is, is a group of like-minded people. When you come on a Friday night and you're like, this is awesome. It's like church, and it feels like church because the presence of the Holy Spirit is there. And you're like, what makes this different from Sunday? Well, some folks, let's face it, they come to church on Sunday because they're, they're checking that block. It's their duty. They want to, you know, they're Christians. They're bringing their kids. They want them in the Word. So they're, they're checking that block. They're doing the right thing. But when you come on Friday night, those folks know they need to be there. They know they need God and they need the Holy Spirit and they're just drawn to it and they have a hunger. And it's just, like I say, it's a like-minded group of people who have a desire to draw closer to God. Amen. Recovery Alive is not a clinical setting. We are not counselors. I was trained in the school of hard knocks. I have never been to school to counsel anybody, but you know what I can do? I can walk through your recovery with you. I can share struggles with you. I can support you, be your accountability partner, things of that nature. We're not a clinical setting. We're not here to diagnose, write prescriptions, lay back on the couch and tell me about your life. It's not like that. And one thing that you will learn is you learn how to give control of your will over to God. Uh, Rich quoted one of our friends, Casey, uh, I think it was last week, and he said, I can't, God can, so I think I'll let him. That's the first three steps in a nutshell. Amen. Amen. Recovery Alive is not a place for just sober people or just perfect people. Quite the contrary. If you've gotten your cure card and you're good to go, Please meet with me after this. I'd like to know how you did it. Recovery Alive is a place for the broken. And I guarantee you, you may be sitting here like I was at Bethel Church at a Sunday service and be thinking, well, it's not for me. I'm good. I thought I was good until God showed me I wasn't. Yep. All right. So we want you to know that RA is a judgment-free zone. It's a judgment-free atmosphere. You will find love. You will find acceptance. It is about a people, and it is about a process, but more importantly, it is about power, and we are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We want um, folks who volunteer. We want you to get involved. We want you to go through a process group because we want 
tour guides. We don't want travel agents. We want someone who has had boots on the ground. Um, when I, like he mentioned earlier in his testimony, the first time I came to Recovery Alive, I was there to hear my brother give his testimony. I was Sister Sally. I was on cruise control. Everything in my life was so-so. Um, I had no significant trouble at that time, but the atmosphere just drew me in. And I'm like, I can get closer to God by being in this atmosphere. I, I want to keep coming back. I want to keep coming back. And then the floor fell out from underneath me. And I am standing here today because of the relationships I had going in that church and in that program. I am a testimony, a living testimony that God can heal you and he can bring you from the depths of hell. There's another in the fire standing next to me. And I knew that all my life, but I didn't know I needed him until I needed him. And I had friends and I had family and I had true Christian backup. And we call him the committee. My brother and my brother-in-law introduced me to this man right here. And God has just blessed me and blessed me and blessed me. And I'm still in the middle of a struggle but I give God the glory because I wanna be a tour guide. I wanna help you. And then after I help you, I want you to help someone else so that they can help someone else so that when we all stand in the kingdom, we can worship together. Amen. I was challenged to break free of my secrets because we are only as sick as our secrets. And in recovery, first thing he did was take down those barriers that I needed taken down so I could see clearly where my struggles really were. Um, I would love to extend an invitation to everybody here and everybody online for this Friday night. I would love for you to come see what Recovery Live is all about. There's an amazing Recovery Live program being run just down the road. It's this Friday night, just like we're going to operate it, and you will experience something that is life-changing, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Come talk to these folks on the front row. Come talk to any of the staff. They've been there. They've experienced it. It blew their hair back. It will yours too. I guarantee it. Um, so if you're interested in that, we've got on the table out there some little mini handouts with directions and times that will tell you where to go and when to be there. We hope that you have been encouraged today. And if you're looking for more information about who we are as a church, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to grow together in God's Word.